Hi guys, and welcome back to College Girls Go Crazy, the podcast. This is Julie Tucci, your host, and happy Cyber Monday. (laughs) Well, it won't be Cyber Monday when you're listening to it, but it's Cyber Monday as I am recording this. And wow, I have been home in Boulder for two days now, coming off of a great couple days at home. It was so fun to just do nothing, honestly. Everything was very relaxed. I did a puzzle with my mom. I made a few too many trips to Dutch Bros. I'm obsessed with their new sugar cookie drink. I highly recommend it. It's actually so good. And usually I try to limit my coffee consumption per week, but I just popped off and it was definitely 100% worth it. But Anyways, more important things. I hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving break or hopefully like at least a few days off, whether you traveled home or you're waiting to travel home till Christmas if you're already at home. Um, Yeah, just whatever the circumstances was, I hope that it was safe and I hope that it was fun. I know things look different like I mentioned in my last episode, but yeah, I hope that everybody enjoyed the holiday and hopefully got a few days off from our crazy lives of hustling and going crazy. (laughs) Honestly, I'm going to keep it short about me today. I'm going to try out a few things where I do like longer, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, updates on me and then some where I kind of just get right into it. But then sometimes I feel like some of the updates are kind of fun. So I I did want to include a few because there are some things that I get so excited to talk about that I'm like, everyone needs to know about this. One being I bought a hoodie from Glossier today for $33. That's insane. Do I have $33? Absolutely not. But I just decided it was worth it because, you know, it's cold and I'm just going to wear it with the same jeans that I wear every day and I'm going to feel really good about it. So moving on from that, um, I also... While I was on a run to Dutch Bros, and just to make my addiction a little bit more clear, I drove an hour to Dutch Bros, even though there's one about 20 minutes from my house because I was that bored. I said, sorry, we're going to the one in Colorado Springs. And I did that. And while we were over there, I was looking around for some metaphysical stores and we found this really cute, nice one. And If I remember, I will leave the name in the podcast notes if I can find it because I don't exactly know what it was called. And I finally bought some crystals because my roommates and I, like, they all have them. And I love them and I always look at them, but I never really got myself to just, like, pick some out. And this was kind of, like, the perfect little venture down to Colorado Springs. Had my coffee and was like, okay, it's time. So I'm really excited to learn more about those. They're all so beautiful. I think my favorite one might be the opalite that I picked out. Um, That wasn't as short of a update as I wanted to give. But moving on, I want to introduce today's guest. Today, I sat down with Vera Santana. And oh my gosh, this girl is seriously such a gem. She is just the sweetest soul. It was so pleasant getting to know her and talk to her. And she's just so educated and so well-rounded. I just literally enjoyed this conversation so much. And Homegirl is so talented and so artistic, and that's honestly a lot about what today's episode is about, but we also talk about how her identity kind of reflects and represents all the different unique things that she's doing. One of the biggest things that I really wanted to learn more about was while she was studying at Emerson College in Boston, she actually worked on starting up a Latinx magazine that we talk a lot about that she literally got to be there from the beginning up until she graduated and we talk about how she decided like what to publish and what to write about and what to photograph and like the creative process and just everything kind of start to finish for that entire process which I think is just so cool that was her way of making an impact on her college and her college experience and then something that I do believe she has continued into her professional working world as she literally lives abroad in Amsterdam so we kind of talked about how she picked Amsterdam and what that's been like especially in the world of COVID because I mean that's crazy I've never long term lived abroad and she actually lived in Spain growing up and so she just seriously has all of these different 
perspectives, all of these different cultural experiences, and it was seriously so inspiring to listen to. Honestly, I'm not doing it justice. This girl is just so cool and has such an amazing story to tell, and I'm going to let the episode speak for itself. So without further ado, here we go. Hi, Vera. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm very excited for today's episode. Thank you so much for agreeing to come talk to me today. I know we have a lot of fun stuff in store. And so to get us started off, would you like to share one crazy thing that you did this past week? Yes, actually, you caught me on a good week because normally it's a bit these days. It's a bit um, slow, but I wrote my first like reflection piece on an exhibition in Amsterdam. And that was really exciting. I really enjoyed doing that. So I think that like for me was a crazy experience. I think I saw something about that on your Instagram. And just for those of us who don't know, would you quickly like describe what an exhibition piece is? Well, it wasn't like a review, it was more like a reflection. So basically we like the art collective that I interned for, like partnered up with this exhibition and we like helped promo it. And I visited it and then like wrote a piece about like my experience with it and the topic of the whole exhibition, which is basically the world, the pandemic. That's awesome. That's really cool. I for sure want to check that out. It's actually funny. I I was trying to find it through everyone posting it on your Instagram stories and I couldn't find a direct leak. So I'm going to make you send that to me later, but we'll come back to that. I really quickly want to share my crazy thing of the past week and what I did is through over the course of like the past like Sunday and Monday, weird things kept happening. Like people kept popping up here and there that I wasn't expecting. And I was just getting all this like news. And so my crazy thing was the fact that I somehow managed to keep my cool and not um, totally lose it and just kind of take a deep breath, remain calm, remain mature and just be like, you know what? It's okay. Which is very unlike me because I can really like blow up sometimes. And so I was like, you know what? Like, let's just move on. This is what's best for me. It had to happen. Lesson learned. And so that was my kind of crazy thing. I know that's a little vague, but I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. So this is, so that's what we got. Um, but yeah, moving forward, would you like to tell everybody just a little bit about yourself really quick? Yeah, of course. Um, I am from Venezuela, but I grew up in, in between Miami and Madrid. And basically, I went to college at Emerson. I studied communication and art history. Um, then after college in Boston, I moved to Amsterdam where I'm living right now, interning, um, figuring out life, but yeah, I guess that's like what I would say my little, my little CV. (laughs) Totally, totally. And so let's start with you. I know you did high school in Madrid. Um, and so would you maybe like to tell us just like a little bit about what that experience as a whole was like before moving to college? Yeah, I think that it it changed me so much. Like the people that know me from Miami and like have seen my transition, it's absolutely crazy because I feel like I I was very sheltered in Miami. Like I went to a very wealthy school with like a big Jewish population, a big white population, even though I was living in Miami. Like I was basically the only person that like would go home and speak Spanish to their family that like in my close group. And so when I moved to Spain, it kind of, I'm half Spanish too. I'm half Venezuelan, half Spanish. So I kind of like reconnected with my roots and then just like a whole other culture. So that's when I feel like I became like a third cultured individual. Like I, I mixed my Latinaness and then my American side because I lived there for 13 years. Like, of course, that's a heavy influence. But then also now this like Spanish side. So I think that like everything from like clothes to like style way of speaking friendships everything changed and for the better like I'm so grateful for that experience so then what was it like moving from Spain to um, Boston for college at Emerson well I had a major culture shock which like is surprising because what I said before like I lived in the states for 13 years but in Miami even though it's in the U.S. it's like not really in the way that it's very like Latino and you can speak Spanish and get away with it. You don't necessarily need to learn English, but that's not the case in Boston. Like that's definitely more, I feel like American. So when I got there, 
started meeting people from all these places in the U.S. that I had, I obviously know from the map, but hadn't really like encountered. And I got to know like, I don't know, like the frat sorority culture and like trap music and like all these things that for me were just like a bit foreign. And it was, yeah, it was really funny. My friends would see me at parties and I'd be like, what is this? Like it took a sec for me to get accustomed to like the American culture. But yeah, I don't know, like apple picking, things like that, you know, those were so new to me. Yeah, that's so interesting, I guess, because those are things that like I just like grew up with and I'm like, oh, people do this. And so, and you and I like were around the same age. So like, it's interesting to hear about how it's not just like quote unquote, like normal for everybody around the same age group. And with that, what made you want to come back to the United States and go to college at Emerson? Well, honestly, my dad, he works in the television realm and he just said like, you know, um, whenever I see Emerson on like a resume or whatever, like it's, it's a very, like it stands out to me, like you should check it out. I also, it just happened that I really like communication and it's really good for communication. So those two kind of lined up, like the fact that my dad was like, you know, I've heard good things about this uni. And then also like, it has everything to do with what you want to do. So it kind of just worked out like that. But I also did apply to the University of Arts in London. So I did the IB so that I could try, I could do both. And I ended up deciding Emerson, which I'm really happy about. Was there like a final distinguishing factor where you were like, okay, this is it, Emerson's for me, or did you kind of go in still skeptical? Um, the thing is, I really wanted that like campus culture because I knew like university in Europe is very different where you go to class and, and you assist class and you leave, you know, like your campus, there's no, like the extracurriculars aren't the same. The, yeah, campus culture isn't the same. And I knew that I wanted that, especially like moving out from home. But I did like still have that London itch. So like two years later, I did these short courses at UAL, like where I had applied for undergrad and kind of like got that itch out of the way. <laughs> totally. So like you found a way to do both and then ended up like where it was best for you in the long run. That makes perfect sense. And thank you so much for sharing that. And so now that you have kind of um, taken your steps, like, okay, you're at Emerson and you just moved from a completely different country. What was it like kind of getting settled and finding your sense of community in this brand new place? Okay, so that's actually really interesting because I think that because I went to this place that was very unknown to me, I felt this urge to like connect to my roots again. Um, those who know me, like those who went to school with me in Spain, for example, like I'm more comfortable speaking in English than I am in Spanish. So I always like spoke to my Spanish speaking friends in English. I never really felt like that need to speak to them in Spanish. Cause like, again, at home, I always speak Spanish. My parents basically don't speak English, but so when I moved to Boston, I was like, wow, I really miss speaking Spanish. I really miss speaking Spanish with people, you know? So I went and Emerson had like a lot of extracurriculars and like a lot of little um, like club community things. And I joined, first I joined Amigos, which was just like a student run, like, cultural org where you would do fun things with Latino Latinx people and then that like the president of that club started um Latinx production company club and so then I joined that too and that's kind of how like I dealt with the culture shock or like just the the missing home and missing I guess like people my my POC people totally and so mentioning that your friend started the Latinx Production Club, do you want to go ahead and like describe what role you played in that process and how you kind of got, I know, the magazine off the ground and up and running? Yeah, so it was kind of those things that like I was just in the room like at the right time. I didn't really have like a passion for the editorial world yet I was just my friend started this club and he had an idea he said um I want like a theater section I want a magazine section and I want a film section um who here is interested in what 
you know and then I was just kind of like magazine you know even though I didn't have experience with that and I didn't have like an affinity towards it like still I would I was still you know very drawn to that so I volunteered and that's just how it happened <laughs> me and this other girl Valentina Maro we volunteered and and started from zero so then moving forward, do you want to kind of talk about what that looked like for you guys? Like, okay, we're on board. We're about to start this magazine. What now? Okay. It was just like a lot of getting people to be on board, you know, like Emerson has a big, big magazine culture. Like they have fashion magazines. Um, they also had other like um, people of color magazine. So it was like hard, I guess, to like start the name Raiz. By the way, it's called Raiz. Um, it was hard. So what we would do is literally old fashioned, like set up a table at the dining hall, print out flyers, um, tell people about it, ask them to submit pieces. So yeah, the first like thing we did was, okay, we want this magazine to be about Latinx art and Latinx artists. So to participate, you either have to submit something that has to do with Latin America or you are Latin American, you know, so, like something, you know, because the whole purpose was providing a platform for Latinx people, which at the time Emerson and probably still was lacking. So that's what we were asking people to do at this table. And yeah, at first, like the team was very little. So then at the same time, while we were asking for submissions, we were also, you know, asking if anyone was interested in joining the team. And we ended up being like 10 people at first. And then what was your specific role other than kind of like founder? What and like now you're trying to get people on board and then write pieces. But as it comes time for things to be issued, what was like your job? So I mean, just like as with anything that starts, like I kind of had to wear a lot of hats, but mainly I was co-editor-in-chief and also the like art director, the like art director slash layout designer. This was also like a big, um, how do you say, adventure for me because I had never touched Adobe Creative Cloud in my life. And suddenly I had two weeks to put this magazine together. And so because of YouTube and because thank God Emerson and their resources, I had Adobe for free. <laughs> I put the, the magazine together, but it was, it was crazy. It was like getting to know InDesign, getting to know like pictures don't go in RGB in print, they go in CMYK, like, um, you know, asking for information from the people who submitted, like give me your name, give me like context, give me a year, you know. It was a lot of um, learning, definitely a lot of late nights in the library. That makes complete sense because I know that there's stuff like that that I would love to know where I'm just like calling people. Like like when I first started doing my podcast, I'm on the phone with my friend and I'm like, tell me how to work GarageBand. What do you use to edit your stuff? Like I need help. And so I kind of know how that process goes and it's like picking up a new skill. It's really difficult. Um, since you mentioned like Emerson gave you some free resources, are there any other maybe like resources or experiences that Emerson offered that you think really like got the magazine up and running like you're like I I know I guess what I'm trying to ask is like we do all of these things like while we're in college and like each college campus provides a different unique experience so what do you think was unique about Emerson that was able to get this magazine like up and running hmm so Emerson's a, a private university they have a lot of funds Thankfully, they decided to fund like everything, you know, I obviously I didn't pay for any of it, neither did anyone from the team. Um, so like resources wise, they paid for the printing of the magazines, they paid for the launch, they paid, well, it depended every semester, we would like have like an appeal is what they call and you would like pitch like you would make like a little business plan and like how much money you need for each like it had to be very detailed you know you couldn't just ask for a budget and get it you had to like go to like a court and fight for it um not fight for it but ask for it and once I was approved you had your budget and then that's when you like distributed it yourself so like money wise they were very nice with that they also make sure that you have like a supervisor and since it's a cultural magazine like that's the it fell under the cultural department they also like provided us a space 
in one of the buildings, like a little meeting area for when we had our meetings. So yeah, they definitely gave us like a place and money to do so. So it sounds like they were fairly supportive of like you guys moving forward with this project. Yeah, so supportive. Like I feel like maybe at another university it would have been harder. I don't even know what that process would look like for me here at CU. And so it's really impressive to me that you guys were able to do that with your given university um, resources, which I think is so cool. And that's what we're here to uncover. So thank you for explaining that. And a little bit more about like the magazine and kind of like what lays inside of the magazine. What types of pieces could people find like when they read and flip through this, like or what kind of artwork or what could we kind of tap into there? So basically, like our one promise the whole time was like, we are going to make this accessible to our Latinx people. So the whole five editions so far, and I hope forever, will be bilingual. So every, like the, the, the struggle there too, like design wise for me was like all the content times two, because we provided everything in English and in Spanish. So what you will find in the magazine is, is that, you know, you'll find, we never like limited mediums. So it's like a mixture of essays, poems. We have editorials, which are just, you know, photo shoots. Um, yeah, we have, there's like no limit. What um, was your kind of favorite thing to produce? Like, I don't know if you do more writing, if you were, I know you mentioned you were the art director, but like you specifically, what really spoke to you in this magazine I don't know I just really loved watching the team grow you know like it started with 10 people and then ended up being 50 in a span of like two three years and just being in the meetings and like it started as my little baby but then it became everyone's little baby and at first it was so hard for me to get people to like care about it as much as I did and then it wasn't difficult at all people were very passionate about it so I think my favorite part was like like hosting these meetings and sitting down and grabbing a piece of paper and being like, what do you guys want this edition to be about? Oh, also each um, edition had like a different theme. So we, at first it was just submission based, right? Because we didn't have a team, but then as we grew bigger, we started having like a writing team, a photography team, a design team. And so the way, a way to unify the content, we like would give people, we would give an edition a theme. It would be secret until the release. And so the artist, the writers and the photographers all had like this prompt. And so, yeah, like I loved, for example, first it was like inwards, a conversation I had with me and my co-editor, but then it was outwards. It was like the bigger we got, the more we involved them. And we were like, okay, what do you want this next edition to be about? And that for me was the favorite, my favorite part, you know, it was just, having this community and doing this together and no one's getting paid no one is getting a grade like no one has to do this they're just here because they want to and like that for me was the best it's just strictly passion and like-minded people and so like you found yourself in a good community um do you have a favorite issue or addition that you worked on like thinking back to maybe one of the themes that you guys came up with together is there one that really like resonates with you um yeah I think that okay I'm like my favorite because I have two different favorite ones the last one is my favorite just design wise because we were always just a lot of colors you know like when you think of like South American people like the flags the people like a lot of colors but then lat we we wanted to like try something else and we toned down and we use earth tones which is also very you know present South America like the mountains the nature so aesthetically I feel like that was a whole other flip and I really appreciated that change um but like in terms of theme I really like the one we did of fervor 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 okay I don't know how to say it in English but it just means passion you know, and that for me, like, is the embodiment of rice, you know, it's like all these people are super passionate. And this is our theme. And it's talking about the things that like, we are passionate about, you know, and so a lot of identity topics came up, you know, like being Latinx in a foreign country, or and what that means being like children of immigrants, like a lot of this 
very personal like narrative came out of that magazine so in that in that way that was my favorite as well is there a way for people to access previous editions like do you have to go to emerson to be able to see stuff that you worked on or do you have copies of your old work i do have copies of my old work but we have a website they they i mean they just made a website i don't work on it anymore unfortunately but they made a website which I think it's Raiz Latinoamericana Productions.com. I'm not sure, but I can send you that and we'll get it and we'll leave it. We'll get it. Yeah, it'll be correct for sure. Okay. And so I kind of want to move forward to talk about where you are now and what it is that you work on now. But before you started that journey, what was it kind of like leaving Emerson and leaving the magazine and kind of like this, like you said, it was your baby, this thing that you created. How did you feel almost parting with that part of you? Oh my God. I feel like if you asked me that question as I was leaving Emerson, like my, the answers would be different. Like leaving Emerson, I was happy. I was excited. Um, I was like, I, I saw the people I was leaving the magazine with and I was more than excited to see what they were going to do with it. Um, it was emotional. Like when we first told the like new editors in chief that they, like we had appointed them they cried like we had this like cute little moment and that meant a lot to me so I left very happy I left Emerson very happy as well like um I felt like I had completed I had done more than I even like thought I would so that was a good feeling but um I graduated a semester early like earlier than my peers than my year and I thought that like I didn't have much closure because I thought that would be graduation for us in May, but then we know what happened, COVID, and I didn't really get that. So, I mean, you know, worse things could have happened. You know, I'm very fortunate under all these circumstances, but I guess like if you ask what my heart needed, it was that, you know, like just a goodbye, another goodbye, a more official goodbye. For sure. Yeah, I fortunately for me like didn't get caught in the midst of like a graduation given the pandemic situation but it's so funny my friends and I all lived together in um the sorority house last year and I went to get dinner there the other day and my friend looks at me and she goes can you believe we lived here and I was like yeah and then we just had to up and leave like on one day's notice like it's crazy I think that's a common thing that a lot of people regardless of the university can relate to and so for your personal experience what was the deciding factor in determining um, graduating early. That's a perspective that I find super interesting. So because I did the IB in high school, I got a whole semester off, like worth of credits. And I just thought like, that's a whole semester that I don't have to pay for. And a whole, I don't know, I just saw it as like a little head start. Also just kind of a pause. I feel like my years in college, Like, that's another thing. Like, I was used to such a fast pace. Like, I would get to uni at, like, 10 in the morning and be home at 10 p.m., you know, like, between classes, rice, all these things. So I was just going at a really fast pace, and I was looking forward to having, like, a little gap semester. So, yeah, like, not paying for that and also having, like, a little gap semester sounded nice to me. So I, I did that. Also, Emerson has, for anyone that's listening and is interested in Emerson, Emerson has a campus in LA and because Emerson is communication heavy but also film heavy a lot of film majors end up in LA but because I wasn't a film major I didn't really like see the need so I also felt fine like graduating early and and not going to LA. Yeah okay that makes sense that's actually something that when I talked to Tia who also went to um, Emerson mentioned because she was supposed to be in LA this semester but had but the program's now remote. And so kind of full circle moment that that's like obviously a big thing that Emerson um, does. And so you, I totally relate to the very fast paced thing. And I think that life for a lot of people has slowed down with the pandemic, but what were your original goals for the gap semester? I don't, I don't know exactly when you arrived in Amsterdam. So maybe if you could just touch on that and just kind of what your post-grad experience looked like. So I graduated in December of 2019 and I was already in Amsterdam in January. (laughs) Like I was fast. And what I was looking forward to was just, I mean, I wanted to go to Amsterdam with like a purpose per se. 
So I was just like hardcore looking for an internship and I got one. And like, so that's what I was doing. Like, I guess that was my goal. My short-term goal was let me just move to Amsterdam. Let me get myself there and do this internship and then see what happens like with my master's plans in, in like the far future. I mean, near future. Why Amsterdam? Like, I'm very curious. You could pick anywhere. It, honestly, at that point, back before COVID, when the world was yours, why Amsterdam? Well, I went abroad my junior year. Yeah, my junior year. Of, I think my first semester of junior year. Or my second semester. One of my semesters, I went to Amsterdam. Um, I first, I was choosing between Barcelona and Florence. Berlin and Amsterdam. And it's really funny actually, because I was applying to Barcelona because my dad has a place there. He loves Barcelona and he was like, Barcelona is very different from, from Madrid. Um, it's in it's in Catalan, like Catalonia. So he was like, you know, even though it's Spain, that might be a good experience for you. It's different enough. And I it didn't really sit well with me because I was like, I might as well go live somewhere. My whole like pitch to him was like, let me go abroad where I would never live. You know, like, let me try it out. Like, when would I end up in Amsterdam? When, I mean, funny, I ended up in Amsterdam. But my whole thing was like, let me try, you know, I'll, I'll end up in Barcelona, but let me try something new. And that's my, like, first primary option was Berlin because my mom went to, like, a German high school in, in Caracas, in Venezuela. And... She doesn't speak German anymore, but I don't know. We've always had this fascination with German. So I was like, okay, Berlin is so cool. Let me go there. But most of the programs were like business oriented and that's not what I studied. So I kind of was just like, what's close to Berlin, like vibe wise that I, you know, and Amsterdam was actually, I had applied to all of them. I had applied to Florence, Berlin, and in Barcelona and then last minute I was like let me just apply to Amsterdam like let me see what happens and then I don't know the more I thought about it I was like let me just go to Amsterdam you know like I've heard good things it's very unknown to me I would never live there any other way you know like let me just see what happens and I loved it so then while you were there did you know like okay I'm coming back like is that kind of just like your experience there kind of was like I love it here yeah my experience there it was like it meant a lot to me because it's also when I started exploring my sexuality so Amsterdam for me I was just so comfortable there I met an amazing group of people the city is beautiful it's it's like Boston in the way that it's a city it's big but it's small like you can navigate it quick on your bike you can run into people on the street like I don't know I think for me, New York was always like a bit intimidating, London as well, but Amsterdam was that like cute little size, but big enough, you know, because I consider myself like a city girl. <laughs> but yeah, so I was just so comfortable there that I even started exploring with my sexuality and found out a lot about myself. And I remember, like long story short, I had this friend that has a friend that lived in Amsterdam and we were like Instagram friends. And I got, um, I went to her house one day, we made tacos and she was like, how are you liking Amsterdam? Tell me about your experience. And I was like, wow, dude, like I love it so much. You know, I would for sure live here. And she was like, oh, that's funny. You know, my roommate that lives here right now is actually moving out next semester to go to Boston. So if you actually end up moving here, like you can live with me. And I was like, okay, noted, you know, funny, noted. And that's actually who I live with now. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. See, it's all about the connections. It's all about the connections. I'm so happy that that worked out for you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so I now that we know like why you ended up there, do you want to explain a little bit about like what it was like looking for an internship in Amsterdam? Like, is that process maybe similar to like my internship process? Like, just just Google it and see what you can find or how did you kind of stumble upon your first internship? So like, yeah, it's a similar process because you know, those websites like Indeed, Glassdoor, LinkedIn, like they're valid for internships in the Netherlands as well. But 
the thing that I found difficult that I didn't think I would was the language barrier because when I was living there like no problem you don't have to, it's the same thing as Miami like you don't have to live in the Netherlands and speak Dutch I mean Amsterdam specifically you don't have to live in Amsterdam to, and speak Dutch you can speak only English and live a very normal life but when it comes to jobs it's different because you're dealing with local people and so a lot of internships or jobs you know required Dutch and that for me was difficult like it definitely narrowed down my search because also I was looking for something a bit um less commercial a little more underground which meant you know Dutch was was asked a lot but in terms of the search like yeah I just googled the internship I found I found on Indeed I think and yeah it's it's similar it's similar but I guess there's that language barrier kind of like hidden almost um challenges that I guess I if I'm trying to look for something in the states won't necessarily come across that kind of requirement so I'm for sure glad that you brought that up and so I know that now you are interning at an art collective do you want to touch on what it is like your roles there maybe the, I don't know if you can share like the name of it and just all like just all encompassing what you're up to in Amsterdam right now. Yeah, I would love to share their name. Like they're the coolest ever. Um, their name is Subaculture, like subcultures. And basically I call them an art collective because they just do everything. Like I couldn't, they used to be a magazine, very well known, like they, they did very well, um, but stopped printing because they just simply like evolved. They're always evolving. They evolved into something else. And then they became like a, not a newspaper, but like they were printing on a newspaper format. And then um, they started, they, they were like low-key a music label and also a venue. Um, so they would host shows, whether that be like concerts or um, like art shows or like exhibitions or actual like artists performing live pieces. You know, like they do a little bit of everything because um, they are located in this like old high school in Amsterdam. It's called the school, which literally means the school. Um, and one of like Amsterdam's best clubs used to be there, but unfortunately because of COVID, um, they didn't have money, so they had to close. But besides a club, there's like a bunch of little office spaces and Subaculture's office space um, has like a little venue space and that's why they can host all these shows and stuff like on their turf yeah I I want to know yeah that sounds so cool I'm definitely want to look into it and see all of that um what is like your day-to-day job as an intern I don't know if every day is different but um just maybe some of the things that you routinely work on and what they expect from you so I am their editorial and communication intern so I like help them communicate, (laughs) like I help them announce shows, I help them like write um, editorials, like what I mentioned, the crazy thing I did this week, like I wrote that piece for them, Um, you know, social media work, like I'll make sure I'll be in contact with the designer, the designer will let me know, okay, I've done the artwork, then I'll use a text that I've drafted and put it all together on social media. Um, I also do like more hands-on work because basically they're doing this really cool thing called collectibles and they, they, they offer a membership. So if you're a member, you receive an art piece, um, a month by like a local Dutch artist. I mean, actually not Dutch, but just a local artist. So what they're doing with this, they want to transform it. They're like, okay, we're sending people art once a week to their mailbox sometimes to their like actual inbox, like in person. But right now it's been purely digital. And so we wanna transform that and make it into an exhibition. And not only that, we want artists to react to the, like each other. So the art, one artist reacts to the previous one like that. So it's like a chain of art and all the pieces have something to do with each other. But it's always a nice surprise because you know, artists, they interpret whatever they wanna interpret with this like little prompt. Um, so yeah now it's an exhibition and part of my internship was to help like build the space and set up the exhibition and we actually just opened the first one for the first time uh, two weeks ago 
And so I did a lot of like painting and cleaning, but also there to give my opinion on like where, how the pieces should be displayed or, you know, how to do the layout, like COVID friendly as well. You know, like how do we make the space safe for people to want to visit, feel safe when they're visiting. And so like, you know, helping with floor plans, like how do we, you know, follow the arrows this way, getting creative with it because that's another thing that like our institutions are struggling with right now you know um they're like the first ones being closed so they're trying really hard to to be to like prove themselves as like responsible people responsible organizations that can like create a safe environment for people under our circumstances so that was like our mission at subaculture too but also getting creative with it and not just doing like the arrows on the floor but like what else can we do meetings it sounds like an overall just like a very creative space and I'm sure that that suits you very well and I'm actually really glad that you brought up the whole COVID thing because that is a question that I had for you was just what it has been like in general working and living abroad in the times because it's obviously different and especially like specific to um, Amsterdam because I know every country looks different at this point in time. Honestly like I want to be completely honest and it's hard. It's really hard to move right now in like these circumstances because you can't just like meet strangers. You can't go to a bar. You can't go to a club. You can't um, like comfortably be like, yeah, I'll go hang out with a friend of a friend of a friend. You know, like you, you, you worry, you try to protect yourself, especially, you know, us that live with other people. Like we, we have to like consider them as well. At first I moved there and like, we didn't have COVID yet. And I made like these friends, really good friends. But then because when everything went down, they they like, they couldn't stay in Amsterdam. They had to go back home because they couldn't sustain themselves with like no, like with an internship and no other job. So, and then I, when, when the pandemic hit, like when quarantine started, I decided to go to Madrid to spend it with my mom because I was afraid, you know, I like didn't know what was going, I mean, no one knew what was going on. I didn't know for how long. So I decided better with family. So I was away from like March to June, I was in Madrid. So then when I went back, I feel like I had to start over. Like the friends I had made left, the internship that I had, I finished, you know, I was starting over. And luckily I live with two wonderful people that are my roommates, but also my really good friends. And my girlfriend came for the summer and spent it with me. And it was really nice. But in terms of like my social life, I've had to do things like, you know, volunteer at museums to get to know people. And, and I even, you know, went on um, Bumble friends to like also meet people. And for, at first that for me was like very shameful. Like I've been blessed with I've really been blessed like with all these friendships and then suddenly I felt like a middle schooler that was like trying to find you know their group and and I think that like human connection I talk about in the article that I wrote is something that we are we are suffering right now like we're being asked to socially distance which okay but like if I can't hug you hello and kiss you goodbye I can't like go have a drink with you at a bar like what does that mean like socially not just physically socially so for sure I've been dealing with that you know like the fact that I'm meeting people but at a slower pace a bit harder like I have to go a little more out of my way and, and just dealing with I mean what everyone's dealing with but I think that moving to a whole new country different culture different language right now I encourage it I always encourage it but I, it is a little harder than it might've been six months ago. 100%, that makes sense. And a lot of twists and turns and a very unique experience. And so I'm glad that you were able to share that with us because stuff like that is just so interesting to me. And that's why I ask, and I feel you on the whole like friendship thing and the connection thing. I for sure need to check out your piece because I'm gonna text you and I'm gonna figure out how to actually get it this time. Um, but like, I feel like that's kind of like a never ending cycle. Like you kind of, you settle in with your people, but like your life is never going to stay stagnant. And so I think what's unique about this time though, is that everybody's experiencing it at the same time. And another thing that you brought up, I remember seeing like really in the midst of quarantine when everyone was like, 
we're not socially distancing, like say physical distancing, because it's like, we can't physically be together, but like, we still really want that social connection. And so like ways like Bumble BFF or ways and volunteering are ways to get that social connection while being physically distant. Still sad and hard nonetheless. So with all of those COVID um, just like disruptions in the midst of being in a new place and then moving back home and starting a new internship and kind of tapping back into what we really talked about a lot in the beginning was like finding your community um, with your Latinx and at Emerson and now you were able to explore your sexuality and you were a part of the Latinx community but also the LGBT community what ways have you been able to incorporate that into your new life in Amsterdam in terms of finding your community so I guess like in that sense like at home my both my roommates one is Dutch Belgian and the other one is Austrian and they're both straight they're a couple so in that case I didn't find it there but one day one of those days that I was having where I was like I'm in a new country I don't know a lot of people but I have so many experiences that I want to have and I love having them on my own but I also want to share them I went to this like market called um, iHolland it's like a thrift store clothes everything market it's amazing if anyone goes to Amsterdam and it's open you should go it's called iHolland but yeah I went with that mentality of like okay you know I'm gonna treat myself to a good day whatever and I went into like a little shack thing of clothes and I found a raincoat that I liked which is essential for Amsterdam and I went up to the girl that worked there and I was like hey like can you tell me if this is waterproof for real? You know, like I want some kind of guarantee. She was like, you know, I really can't guarantee that, but she said, we just started talking. And then she was like, oh, by the way, I really like your blue eyeliner. I was wearing blue eyeliner. And I was like, thanks. And the way I like noticed an accent and I was like, where are you from? She was like, oh, I'm Venezuelan. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm Venezuelan. And we started talking and, and, turns out she's queer too we're both Venezuelan we have people in common like she actually knows the girl that I started the magazine with or like one of the girls so I think like even though it's one person like I found my community in her and that already to me like made all the difference because what I would like subaculture they're all Dutch so in that case not found didn't find it there um didn't necessarily find it at home but found it with this girl, um, found it when I was volunteering at this museum. I met this really cool queer girl too from England. So I think like, maybe I haven't found it yet, like in a big way, but I, I'm happy that I found it in a person. And that for me, like for now is more than enough. Like I'm, I'm very grateful for her. Baby steps, you can only do so much at a time. Cause, and it does take a while. And like in the grand scheme of things, you haven't even been there a year yet. And so like, it's still, I think to me, a short amount of time, honestly, for, for such like big adjustments. But I obviously, I feel like I have picked up on this and everybody listening has probably picked up on this. You are a very um, creative individual. And so I'm curious kind of what you do in your day-to-day and personal life as um, a creative outlet aside from work. Hmm. Honestly, I embroider. <laughs> I embroider, I use, it started in high school, I used to embroider like pictures, it started, I would get like non-copyrighted images online and embroider them, then I started taking my own pictures and embroidering them, then I just started embroidering clothes and like fabrics, and the thing is, I feel like I don't have one outlet, I think that I'm, there are creative people that just like are just really good at their crafts, and I think that I don't have a single craft. I think that I'm a crafty girl. So I've done a bunch of things like screen printing at home, embroidering, um, yeah, the magazine. I don't know, like it's not one thing, but I'm definitely always trying to find something. Like I, I definitely feel that itch, you know? Um, and sometimes it's painting. It doesn't have to be something that I'm good at. It's just like the act of making something I really, really enjoy. And I love the process. Like I, that's actually something like whenever I share on my Instagram, sometimes I'll share the things that I make. And like I make it a point to share the process because I think that's 
like the whole thing you know that also has to do a lot with like the kind of art the, the way that I want to participate in the art world because art can be very elite, elitist and inaccessible and I, I want to be a part of the art world that makes it accessible to all I don't want to say like free art but like you know that everyone has access to it um, that it's not in these like galleries that are really hard to get into like Sotheby's you know I I, I that's why I think I like more of like the underground scene. And that's how I feel about like art processes as well. Like I don't, I don't wanna keep the way that I make things a secret from anyone, you know? Like if you wanna learn how I make these bracelets, call me, I'll show you, or I'll post it on my Instagram. If you wanna know how I screen printed at home, like I'll send you the link, you know, I'm always sharing that process with people. And that's like what I enjoy about art a lot too. I think that's why I really like embroidering as well. like the little stages it takes. That's so cool. I'm happy that you decided to take that stance on things because I don't know, it kind of reminds me of like, cause I think like fashion, like is a way that a lot of people like represent each other. And then people are very, um, they don't necessarily want to tell you where they got something. And it's just like homegirl, come on. I would love to wear the exact same thing as you all the time. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> exactly. Like when someone asks me where I got something, I'm like, wow, I'm honored that you saw this on me, took the time and like courage, you know, to come up to me and be like, yo, where did you get that? I want that too. Like, whoa, oh my God. Yeah. I'll tell you exactly where I got it. The same thing with art. I'll tell you exactly how I made it. And I love to see what you make too. I love that. Yeah, just like an inclusive environment, you know, and just like a way to lift people up and a way to include people. And I guess that's the same thing as an inclusive environment, but just like a way to let everybody in, you know, like no secrets, like I'm here to share my knowledge and my art with you. And so kind of talking about the art world that you mentioned that you want to be a part of, what are some of like the future personal plans that you have for your art, for your career? And just like, where can we see Kara going in the future? So because art isn't necessarily something I studied academically, like I did, I minored in art history, but it's definitely been more of like a hobby than it has been. Like I'm very communication centered, like when people hire me for internships and stuff, like that's what they want from me. So I think that I want to get a master's in like museum work, cultural heritage work that has in like an art institution, um, at first, I thought I wanted to be a curator, but not really. Like, I wanna, I was thinking like a creative director and like something like subculture I would love. Um, it's pending. Like, I definitely need to narrow it down. But I think, like, for me, my next step is getting a book and like actually studying the things that professionalizing the things that I'm passionate about, which I know is tricky and some people advise you not to do. But I'm gonna try it because it makes me happy and I'm like in one way or another gravitated towards this work a lot like I've this is my second internship no my third internship with like an art gallery thing um I grew up with art I want to continue growing up with art so that's where I'm heading I guess like not letting go of my communication aspect but like definitely building up the art part a little more so that I can then, you know, have like a foot in the door per se. 100%, that makes me very excited for you. And I definitely, I don't think that you need to know now because I I mean, like, that's what the time is for. Like, you can go back to school whenever you want. It doesn't need to be now. And like, if I totally am like one day at a time. And so I know sometimes that question can be tricky, but I, you have an idea and that's all that matters. And that just makes me excited to see what your future holds in store because I know it's going to be amazing things. And so think like just on that note, moving forward, um, amazing things coming up in the very near future. I would love to hear from you one crazy thing that you want to accomplish in this upcoming week. Hmm. Something I want to accomplish. Well, so right now where I'm interning, they are very like event focused. And because that unfortunately can't happen right now, I've been kind of talking to my supervisor about like revamping. My supervisor told me he wanted to like revamp the editorial realm. Um, like he's the head of communications and editorial. So yeah, that is his goal. And 
I've just been kind of like sprinkling little ideas of like, you know, maybe we should revamp this, the magazine. Um, printing a magazine, by the way, to everyone, like it's so expensive. And I, that's not necessarily something that we can afford right now. So I'm, I'm trying to pitch a zine, like an online zine. So it's slowly like entering conversation in the team, but I'm like this upcoming week, I would like to maybe like make a little mock-up for them. Um, we are doing an interview with a musician. So like maybe using that interview as like, the skeleton of this like mock-up zine and present it to them and see like you know maybe this is something we can do so I'm excited for that I'm going to do that this upcoming week well best of luck with that and I'm sure whatever it is that you can come up with they will love and so you'll have to keep me posted on where you get with that and really quickly I'm just going to share my crazy thing that I want to do this week kind of out of my control but something that my friend did I started over quarantine as we started an Instagram account for Trader Joe's and I talk about this in my podcast sometimes and we're just weird and post pictures of stuff that we eat there and like literally it has more followers than my personal account does I also like went rogue and blocked so many people over the summer and so that wasn't always the case but it's almost we have like over 950 followers so I would love to see us hit 1,000 followers which is just so funny because I literally remember how long it took us to hit 100 and we were like what the hell are we doing and now we just grow so quickly and I don't even know how it's happening but that's something that I would like to see happen in this upcoming week. I to check that out right now I love Trader Joe's I miss Trader Joe's so much like I wish Amsterdam had a Trader Joe's like I the cauliflower gnocchis, so good. The little like macaroon ice creams, so good. That's where my roommates and I do a lot of our shopping. And I'm actually leaving to go to Oregon tomorrow. And they have one really close to where my friend goes to school. And so I'm like, I'm so excited to pump out this content from a new Trader Joe's store. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. That's like, that's an amazing niche you just tapped into. <laughs> It's funny, it comes up in like a lot of my classes and stuff, like when my professors talk about like strategy and like marketing and I'm like, so I've told some of my professors about it and some of them follow it and it's so funny. <laughs> but um, thank you seriously so much for sitting down and talking with me today. I'm excited for everyone to hear what you had to say and yeah. Yeah, honestly, thank you so much. Like, like a friend put us in contact for those listening and like the minute she told me about you and what you're doing, I was like, oh my God, what an honor, you know, like you're just uplifting women and, and like supporting them and what they're doing. And that's like so empowering. So thank you so much. Like you just gave me an hour to talk about the things I've been up to and awesome. I enjoyed this so much. Well, I learned a lot. And so I'm so excited for everyone else to hear also. All right, you guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And I hope, as always, at the end of every episode that you are feeling inspired and motivated to make the most out of your day, make the most out of your week, and most importantly, make the most out of your time in college or at your university or just in these young adult ages of your lives. Honestly, that's what I'm here to do. And I leave editing and listening to each episode so happy because I think I am doing that. And sometimes it's kind of a pain to sit down and edit because my favorite part really is the conversation and like the socials. And so sometimes editing, it can be a lot. But every time I listen to it, there's just so much good stuff in each episode that I kind of forget about until I hear it back and I'm like this is why I do this this is why I started this it's because people need to hear this I don't care who you are you have something amazing to offer and each and every one of you are college girls going crazy and I know that so Again, I just thank you for listening and I hope that I was able to bring a little something extra to your day whenever it is that you are listening to this. Moving forward, I know that it's finals time for a lot of us. Final presentations, finals exams, final papers, just everything. The semester coming to a close for most of us, like I said, everyone has different schedules, but I know that my finals start next week and I'm nervous. I really am. It's going to take a lot out of me <laughs> to study and hopefully do well and end this semester strong. And I just wanted to say that we are in it together. I'm going through it too. 
everyone's going to do amazing. Everyone's going to end up with the grades that they need and the grades that they want because we are going to kick ass, you guys. I literally know it. But don't forget to prioritize yourself. Take some breaks. Feed yourselves. Get some fresh air. I actually don't think I went outside today and I'm really upset about it. So I'm for sure going to fix that tomorrow. So that makes me sound really lazy. Just know that it was cold. I'm in class actually all day and it's the middle of covid so where am i gonna go anyways just had to make that disclaimer but definitely check out some of dara's work and follow her on instagram she posts the coolest stuff homegirl is just so cool and artsy i absolutely adore it so definitely check her out read some of the articles that she's published and check out some of the things that she's working on those will all be in the podcast notes please check out the podcast Instagram, give it a follow, subscribe. I would love it if you guys would give me a five-star rating and tell all your friends because I like what we've got going on over here and I would love to have more friends join the party. As always, please stay safe. It's getting colder. It's winter. Stay warm and we will talk very, very soon. In the meantime, go crazy. Have a girl. Alice girls go crazy.